Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're on a journey to discover what the Scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology, things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle, too hard to understand, or just too out of reach. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that applies to the lives that we live. We do this because we agree with what the theologian J.C. Ryle once said, a religion without doctrine is simply an impossibility. We want to help you be strong in your faith doctrinally, knowledgeable in and of the word theologically, and to grow in your love for Jesus exponentially. On today's podcast, we're continuing with the 33 things that occur instantaneously at the moment of salvation for every believer. And Pastor Jeff, we're coming to the end of those 33 things over the next few podcasts, I think. We are, yeah. And we've discussed and studied a number of these treasures of divine grace going all the way back to episode 104. If you've missed any of these podcasts, we encourage you to go back and give them a listen. So, Pastor Jeff, what are we doing today? Hello again, Kitchen Table Theologians and Jen. Today, we're going to look at a statement Paul made about you and I as believers being crucified with Christ. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, <done. laughs> yeah, it's 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 a pretty popular verse. A lot of people memorize Galatians 2.20. And, uh, but I, I, I wonder how much of it is actually understood. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? We're crucified with Christ. Okay. What in the world does that mean? So how about reading Galatians 2.20 for us? I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Now, as as we continue, I have to be honest, this seems to be one of the, wait, 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 like I already said in the beginning, whoa, <laughs> wait, what verses in the Bible? Mm-hmm. This verse appears to be one of the, dare I say, strangest verses in the New Testament. You can dare say okay, that. Okay, good. <laughs> and after that, and what I know of crucifixion and the horrible punishment inflicted upon Christ's human body, how can we as Christians walk around saying that we have been crucified with Christ? Christ. What does that mean to be crucified with Christ? I have been crucified with Christ. What in the world does that mean? You, you have been, according to this verse, you know. And after all, Jesus' death took place 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. and you or I weren't physically there when it happened, nope. and he died for me, and he died for you, and our sins are forgiven. But what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? So maybe a good thing that we're tackling that today. There are Bible verses that are well known and often quoted, but also misunderstood. I think we, mm-hmm. you know, we we get that. And I I would make the case that if you have been in church for a while, you've heard this verse quoted before at some point in your life. And I would say, you know, there are so many Christians I know we've memorized that verse because we like we kind of we sort of like the part. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives mm-hmm. in me. We we get to that part real quick. But whether you've heard that verse before, kitchen table theologian. Or that's your first time really being uh, here in Galatians 2.20. How do we understand the verse? And as as Jen just was asking, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Clearly, 
we can't be nailed to the cross with Jesus, so this obviously means something else. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just examine that. And and I and I think to do it properly, we have to understand the context of the verse in Galatians two, and it's you know in the context of the chapter. And as I've said before here on Kitchen Table Theology, when studying God's Word, context is king. Mm-hmm. I learned that four decades ago. Context mm-hmm. is king. Understand the context. And you'll understand the verse. And I always explain to students that context is all of the other stuff right. <laughs> surrounding the word before or what you're trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, what comes before and what comes yeah. after. So what is the context of Galatians 2? I was so afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> well, to fully understand what it means to be crucified with Christ, we've got to look at the full context of Galatians, that whole letter, okay. and especially what Paul's addressing in chapter 2. Very quick. The Galatian church had been infiltrated by a group known as the Judaizers. Mm. These people were teaching a mixture of law and grace as the basis for salvation. The Judaizers taught that a Gentile, so if you came to Christ as a Gentile, you had to convert to Judaism. Mm. So they there was kind of a mix and match thing going on. Especially when it came to circumcision and honoring the Sabbath, that you had to do that before you really became a Christian. Mm. So conversion to Christ and adherence to Mosaic law was necessary before conversion to Christ could happen. Okay. So Paul addresses this. He's upfront about all of this. And Paul visits them, sees and hears, word is coming to him. This is going on in the church. So we got a, we've got a major theological issue, a problem. And Paul said this, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, so Peter's there. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, Peter, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish tradition? Mm. Very uncomfortable moment for mm-hmm. Peter. <laughs> so Peter was, Peter understood what conversion to Christ was. I don't have to follow the Jewish laws anymore, mm-hmm. but he was practicing something different when it came to other people. We have a tendency to do that sometimes. What's good for me is not, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm do not going to do it, not as but I you got to do it, right? <laughs> so Peter had fallen into this, and there were those in the new church in Galatia who were still living as Jews and following the manners and customs of the Jews, and they were telling the new converts to Christianity they needed to do the same. So now we get to chapter 2. So Peter, we know, had spent some time fellowshipping and being with his uncircumcised Gentile believer brethren until the group of Judaizers came around. And when they showed up, Peter distanced himself from the Gentile brothers and sisters, causing Paul to address Mm -hmm. Peter's hypocrisy. Now, Peter wouldn't have been an easy guy to call out. You remember Peter. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter was tough. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that lopped off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers <laughs> yeah. in the garden, right, of Gethsemane. So Peter was a man's man, but so was Paul. So when Paul calls out that hypocrisy, he then proceeds to let everybody know no one is justified by works of the law, but only by faith in Christ. So this background and context lead into what it means to be crucified with Christ. How, how, how are we tracking? Well, it, it's great background, <laughs> and it does give us some good context, some good before you just said leads into, but what does that have to do with being crucified with Christ? Okay. Well, the first thing is, yeah, of course, great question. 
The first thing we know about this verse, Galatians 2.20, is that it does not mean you have to physically die with Christ. That's obviously not necessary. To most people, they just said a collective. Phew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I, most of us weren't worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, and, and, and if we are, so we're not physically dying. That's not what mm-hmm. it means. So if we are not physically dying with Christ in the term of crucifixion, then what are we being crucified to? Right? Or what are we being crucified for? So let me address this in two ways to help potentially clarify what it means to be crucified with Christ. When I look at this verse, you can connect it to what Paul said before this verse and what he said after. So first of all, we have been crucified to the requirements of the law. So okay. now it makes sense. Wait, wait, wait. A bit. And by law, you mean the Mosaic law Correct. that the Jews were following. Right, okay. exactly. Being crucified to the requirements of the law connects this verse to what Paul said before it. Prior to these verses, Paul's making an argument against being justified by the law. Okay? Here are two verses he said to give you some more context. So, Jen, in Galatians 2, 15 and 16, just a few verses prior, let's see what he said. Will you read those for us? You and I were Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So he he's trying very hard to make that extremely clear, right? repeated a couple yeah. times. Mm-hmm. So additionally, he writes in verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. In these verses, Paul tells us he has died to the law. That means I've died to the requirements of the law and to be, and I've died to being justified by the law. How did I do that? I was crucified with Christ. By being crucified with Christ, he no longer had to fulfill the law as a means for trying to obtain salvation because Christ did it for him. So for this reason, he could kill or crucify his desire or need to keep the law as a means of gaining justification. So in his response to the teaching of the Judaizers, Paul was saying, since you have been justified in Christ, he's declared you righteous, then justification by the law is dead to you. Okay, so you said you'd address it in a couple of different ways. The first one was that we can kill, crucify Mm -hmm. our desire or need to keep the law as a means of gaining justification. So what's that second way? So we're we're dead to the law and having to keep the law. Mm -hmm. Second way to be crucified with Christ is being crucified to self. Mm. So to be crucified with Jesus means you have crucified your desires, your will, your purpose to live for him. And that's in alignment with what Jesus instructed us in Matthew 16, 24. He told us, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So there's there's the element of crucifixion right there. Okay, so just to clarify, being crucified with Christ is not just dying to the requirements of the law. It is also dying to self and our desires, Mm. which then leads me to ask, why is this important? Well, that answer points us to the second phrase of the verse of Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
And I think many of us are familiar with that phrase, right? You know, it's in a lot of different worship music. It's in hymns. It's it's in right. those types of things. I think well, we, we like that part of the. We verse. do. Yeah. We we like that part, but do we stop to think about what that really means? What does it mean? Christ lives in me. So let's let's just quickly look at the two parts of Galatians two twenty. You've got you've got being crucified, and then you've got well, there's really three parts. I'm crucified. I'm dead. I no longer live, he says. And then the third part, Christ lives in me. So I've been crucified, Christ lives in me. The second part of the statement, Christ lives in me, is only possible because of the first part. Mm -hmm. So if a person does not crucify their own will and desires, then Christ can't fully live in them. You you could consider this a battle, I guess, for for who's going to sit on the throne? Who's Mm going to be in the control room of of your life? There's only one throne in your heart and life, and only one person can sit on it. Mm -hmm. And when you die to yourself, when you're crucified with Christ, then you give Christ carte blanche, complete freedom to fully live through you. And if you choose not to do this, you know, God gave us a free will, Mm -hmm. then God can't live out the full expression of Christ in your life. For him to do that, I've got to get out of the way. I've got to accept the fact that I've been crucified with Christ and, and I have died to self. And that's, uh, that's just another example of what it means to be crucified with Christ. Okay. And it's in line with other scripture too, like the old has passed away, the mm-hmm. new has come. It, exactly. It's just another iteration of that. So that makes sense. But now in order to stick with our tagline here at Kitchen Table Theology that we mention often, pretty much at the end of every, every podcast, podcast. <laughs> the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. How then do we take this understanding of what it means to be crucified with Christ and make it practical in our everyday lives? Yeah, first off, I think it's important to note all of this requires surrender. Mm-hmm. Here is what is also necessary. While Christ died once for all to be the eternal sacrifice for sin, which the Bible clearly teaches, we must die daily to the whims of our own will and our own desire. Mm-hmm. And that requires not just a one-time surrender. That's got to be an everyday surrender. That that type of surrender requires commitment I think, to do what God says in his word that we're to do, even when everything in the fabric of our nature wants us to go in in a different direction. There's some Bible verses I think give they help make the picture clearer for us. Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't want to do that. What do I what's got to go on in my heart for me to love enemies, pray for people who persecute me? I've got to surrender. And I've got to let him live through me. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We don't often want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to be slow to listen, very quick to speak, <laughs> and very quick to become angry. How do I get around that? Surrender to Christ. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Mm -hmm. How does that work out in my life? Surrender. Crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, he lives in me. Last one, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Oh boy. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So you, you get the picture. Honestly, it's simple to understand, but I think it's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. If Christ is living in you, then your life will reflect him. And that means his character 
starts to take shape in our life because we've crucified ourselves and we're allowing him to live in us and through us. And I, I think Galatians 5.24 really sums up what that looks like. So would you read that for us? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I've nailed my passions and my desires, which are all part of my sinful nature, to his cross, and those things have been crucified right there. So when you think about what it means to be crucified with Christ, let me sum it up for you in, in this way. Our salvation is because of Christ. And we live every day in Christ. Because of the sacrifice of him, the question of salvation is settled once and for all in in our lives, Mm -hmm. right? From that point forward, salvation forward, we still must be crucified with Christ so that his life will be seen in us. So I I think there's a one-time crucified with Christ that brings us into salvation. And then there's almost a daily Mm-hmm. I'm having to be crucified, nailing the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his to his his cross. And then when that starts to happen, his life is seen in us. John the Baptist said it so well, very simply, he must increase and I must decrease. Mm-hmm. Man, if we just live by that, that's that's the path, that's the road. And when that truth settles into your heart, then you understand what it means to be crucified with Christ. And I think we we kind of relax at the the death part of it all. But then we think about how hard that is to sur- to actually surrender that. And we think, oh, well, that there's where the sting is. Yeah. There's where the bite is. And there's where the power of the Holy Spirit has to be evident mm-hmm. because in and of ourselves, we can't do it. We won't do it. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit-led life, the Spirit-directed life always leads us to the cross. It leads us to the cross for salvation. And then he, he continually leads us back to the cross to crucify those sinful desires and actions. Mm-hmm. And, and live the crucified life. For sure. Well, hey, that was a lot to digest today, and we hope you stuck with us through the whole episode. Thanks so much again for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. Please take a moment, if you would, to rate and review this podcast, including Spotify and iTunes. It helps new listeners to find the show, and we want to spread the Kitchen Table Theology love. And many of you are doing that, mm-hmm. and so thank you so much, because that does, through the algorithms and all the magic of, I don't know how all that works, <laughs> but more people find out about Kitchen Table theology when you rate and review so thank you very much the power of the world wide web Web. it's scary (laughs) it is scary and don't forget also to check out today's episode notes they're jam-packed with lots of information as always thanks are due to our friends at low country community church here in bluffton south carolina for making this podcast possible to danny and her team at streamline podcast for making us sound good and of course to dylan Voorhees, today's sound engineer Also, head on over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. And Lord willing, next week, we'll be back with another great episode. So there it is. Now go deeper. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, 
Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.